Don, for this week, are we going to talk about animals? Sort of. Do you do they have feathers? No. Do they live on land? A few of them sometimes. I feel like you're kind of floundering here. I'm fishing for information, Don. Hey, there it is. It's the topic that took us way too long with me being on the podcast to talk about. Yes, we're finally getting to talking about fishing with the fishermen. <laughs> What's it been, two years, Don? Yeah, it actually has. The other day I was thinking about how it feels like I haven't been on this podcast very long, and then I realized that it's been several years. I just hit my one year. Dang. I, f- I feel like, and I know like I've known you for a while, and you've been on here for a while, but I still feel like, it's like yeah, like Chris came on like two months ago or something. Yeah, no, right? And then it's like, oh, wait, we've actually been locked in our houses for a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's all sort of smashed together. Yeah, it's been it's been crazy. But yes, for our wonderful view, they're not viewers. Wow, I've been on Twitch too much. <laughs> I mean, maybe they just stare at the little progress bar on like their app. For our wonderful listeners, we are talking about fishing, a topic that does not really, they don't really do too much of it, honestly, in the games. Like there's a lot of fish, but fishing feels a little underrepresented, right, Don? It really does. What's honestly surprising because I feel like as a whole, a lot of Nintendo games are very like pro fishing. Like there seems like a lot of them have a fishing mini game, like most Zeldas, few Mario's, obviously Animal Crossing. Oh, I love fishing and Animal Crossing. I don't know if I'd really call that like fishing fishing, but I still love collecting the fish. Yeah, it's well, it's most mo- most video game fishing is not really, I would say, the most accurate fishing. They don't want to sit around in a lake for hours. I mean, fish can be pretty active, honestly, in terms of depending on what you're doing, but I won't get too into that yet. Fun fact, before we get into it, I have never been fishing in my life. Come down here. I've I've never, I've gone frog hunting. That's fun. I used to walk around a lake or a pond and with nets, and that's how I learned that frogs eat other frogs. Yeah, they're savages. I caught one, my brother caught one, we put him in a bucket, did a lap, came back, and one had the other one's leg sticking out of its mouth. Oh yeah, anything that they think will fit in their mouth is gone. Yeah, no, it was really traumatic for like little kid Chris. But you learned a fun lesson. I did, and I never forgot it. <laughs> so on that note, let's uh, let's let's get into this show. Yeah, let's get to it. So Don, in science news. You weren't here for the last the last group record, but in it, Lucas said that saliva was not a a good means for dispersing a toxin or or a venom. Right. And in the science news, it feels like nature has been like, oh, because we have learned about this African crested rat and its lethal fur. What is Africans have like the cooler crested version of a normal animal. Like they also have the crested porcupine. Honestly, this rat is kind of cute looking. Yeah, it's kind of got the same vibe. So is the crested porcupine. It kind of looks like a like a furry hedgehog. Yeah, I like it. Basically, what it does is it chews the bark of a poisonous tree. I think it was an arrow tree. Yeah, a poison arrow tree. It chews the bark, and apparently, the biodiversity of its gut is so strong that it's able to withstand the poison. And then it licks the poison from the tree onto spines in its fur and uses it to poison things. That's really cool. I, um, yeah, so I read a little bit about it. Um, I mean, there's a few other, like, like really any poison or venom is pretty crazy in a mammal. 
Which does make me wonder how many other ones are out there that are poisonous and just no one knows. Apparently they also discovered that these rats also live monogamously, spending 50% of their time together and communicating with purrs. That's, I really want some They just now. sound so adorable, but then they'll also poison you. Yeah, but if he doesn't have the tree, will it just chill? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. Apparently the poison's only on the side, though, so they're still vulnerable to, like, predators that attack from above. Interesting. Well, like, I'm looking at the picture. It looks like the, its back hairs are really high, so maybe that gives it some amount of protection up there. Like if, like, a, a bird or something snatched him. This has been a cool uh, recent time for a surprise poison venomous animals. You know about venomous frog a while back with the mustache? And then there was the second... They found the second... Because the first guy that found the first venomous frog just grabbed it, and then it stabbed his hand, and he talked about how painful it was. And then later, another guy found a different one that, like, had it stabbed him, it, like, could have been real bad. And the first guy talked about how he was very thankful he did not come upon that frog first. Just don't grab things that you see in the wild. <laughs> oh, it's also the only mammal to utilize and store toxins. Oh, the the crested rat? Yes. It's pretty cool. So there you go, Lucas. When you listen to this episode, just know that nature saw you and decided to one-up you with some poisonous saliva. Yeah. No, they are very... I like them. They have a nice little pattern. They're adorable. Imagine if other creatures did that, though. Like, imagine if, like, a cat did that for as much as they groom themselves. Yeah, I mean, because there are some creatures that, like, sequester poisons from other um, animals and repurpose them. But most of them are invertebrates. Or... This rat just took a took a lesson from some invertebrates. He watched a documentary on sea slugs. It was like, ah, oh, yeah, I should get into that. Moving forward, Don, there was a big announcement. And you weren't here to share in the joy last time so this is your moment to react to pokemon snap all right so i mean we knew about it a while ago but it's nice to reconfirm that it was not just a like a, a fever dream of mine we got the new trailer like a week or two ago it looks great like i i like i think we saw a pokemon in from every generation which has me really excited i I'm, I'm scared one of my favorites or something won't make it in and, and then i'll be devastated what would you be devastated that didn't make it Torkoal. Besides Torkoal. Besides Torkoal. I feel like Torkoal's got a good shot. Um, I'll say, I'll say, you know what? I feel like he's, he might not. Porygon Z. Oh, Porygon Z is definitely not making it. There might be some sort of abandoned laboratory level, though, or something. I would be very surprised if Porygon... You can... We, we can come back and make fun of me uh, if Porygon Z is in the game. I would be very surprised if he makes the cut. I'm rooting for it. Also, the part in the, uh, in the little trailer when Torchic has the apple and he breathes fire on it to toast it. <laughs> that was adorable but apparently it's actually not an apple um i don't know why they couldn't just call them apples but they're called fluff fruits um, i'm learning that is apparently is nintendo's official stance on it call it an apple it looks like an apple and it's elite it's the lentil region apparently it is a tweet from nintendo of america january 21st the fluff fruit is a tasty fruit found in the lentil l-e-n-t-a-l not like the food okay th but like but apples apples exist in pokemon right Applin, like it says in the Pokedex, that Applin lives in an apple. Someone speculated that maybe it's because it would cause confusion with Applin, but like, why would they make it not look like an apple then? What if all of them are Applins? Were they worried that Torchic was eating Applin? Like stuff. Would, I mean, is it Applin's not the apple though? He's just the little worm, right? No, he's he's the little squeeze, the little squirmy. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he shoots out the bottom or something. I don't know. This this feels like a weird. This is the hard hitting content our listeners want. That's right. Well, uh, you have some other exciting exciting news to share. Yes, we have a new degenerate format for VGC. VGC teams will now allow one restricted Pokemon, which are the the big boy legendaries, not your not your Suicunes or your Zapdos, but you got your Groudons, your Lugia, 
we got some fun new ones. We got Calyrex Ghost and Calyrex Ice are looking pretty great. I've played a few. I've played some games of the format already. Um, Zacian is wild. It's definitely really good. Torn Ogre is back with a vengeance. I think it's going to be really interesting, though, because there's a few restricteds that, like, really like having a buddy. Other restricted, like, Xerneas really likes Groudon beyond its team. So it'll be interesting to see how... I think Xerneas is still good. Some of the new... I think uh, I'll be interested to see after a little more development if, like, the, there's new toy syndrome with, like, Zacian and the Calyrexes. I've been watching a lot of uh, sub-Zacian. Sub, yeah, because you, you can't Dynamax, so it's one of the few Pokemon that, like, doesn't mind the sub, and blocking Intimidate's good. I've seen sub i think i've i've tried a subset i've also ran a three attack protect set i'm actually have been having a lot of fun with ditto right now because sometimes you can just now have two restrictions yeah i think the the one that i'm probably gonna do is desk main necrozma i've seen a few around i think it's definitely um i mean it's so bulky with dynamax i'm not sure what even can kill it the only thing that i'm worried about is wicked blow yeah um, I feel like, yeah, that probably negates Prism Armor. But, I mean, if you're max, you definitely take it. Yeah, well, and the thing is, like, it, it can take a, I mean, it, maybe not that punch, but it can take a punch, so weakness policy. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a safe play. I did KO one earlier with, um, G-Max, Charizard, and Sun with Life Orb and all the solar power and fun. I think that's the only time, and I, I don't know my opponent's TV spreads or anything, so maybe his, he had no bolt on it or something, but. There's also the, the issue with, uh, Moltres. There's a lot of heavy-hitting dark out there right now. Yeah, well, especially people are so scared of Calyrex Ghost that every team really is pro-dark type. But we'll see if maybe, like, the surge of dark type sort of slows Calyrex down to the point where it, it dips off. I mean, it's only been... It's not even the official rule set yet. It's like, we got a lot of time for stuff to develop. The surge of dark types makes Zacian more relevant. Exactly. Yeah, Zacian's nice because it's... It's always nice to have a, a Mon that doesn't need to Dynamax to do big old damage. And it's kind of the king of that. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be interesting to play. A lot of them I will be using for the first time. Like, I, I missed the Xerneas generation, so I never got to battle with it. Right. Well, we don't have Smeargle back yet, so certain things are not possible. And we won't have Dark Void ever again, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, I guess the, the only other Pokemon news that I have right now is we have the uh, Kanto Celebration upcoming in Pokemon Go. Oh, uh, guess what happened on Pokemon Go today? What? I finished a run, and then I hatched an egg, and I got a shiny Shinx. Oh, nice. I didn't know there were shiny Shinx in the game, so I was very excited. Well, I said with the Kanto event, they are releasing all the shinies for uh, the Kanto mons. All of them. So, which which mon, all, all 151, well, some have already been out, obviously, but the, every Kanto mon will have its shiny in Pokemon Go. So, which one do you want the most? Okay, I have to think on this, of which ones... Because, like, a lot of the Gen 1 Shinies was before they really had Shinies figured out, I feel like. Like, there's a lot, like... Shiny Normal Gengar is pretty weak. I do like, um... The Blue Nido King. I think, is not a bad look. Yeah, I think Shiny Ninetales is good. Um, it's one of the few, like, Gen 1 Shinies that looks like they actually put effort to it. Shiny Rapidash also looks pretty good with the Gray Flames. And then I guess for the Legendaries, Shiny Moltres is the best of the birds shiny wise yeah i actually shiny bird related story um on on let's go i spent a long time trying to catch shiny magnemite with chaining and eventually gave up and i was like i'll just go catch zapdos and then zapdos was shiny i have terrible shiny luck in the in the games i still have not seen a shiny in sword all right well 
all the topic, uh, all the news I feel, unless you have something else, has been shared. Let's get into the topic at hand. This is this is your moment, Don. This is what we've been waiting for. Yeah, I'll try not to screw it up. Okay, we are talking fishing. And that covers a broad subject, does it not, Don? Yeah, just the, the sheer amount of different ways throughout I mean, no one really knows when we started fishing as a as a as a species. I mean, there's so many different ways people have fished throughout the millennia. You know, you got traps ranging from like very basic to very complex. Obviously, all sorts of varieties of nets, um, and then like you get into you know lures, rod and reel, spear fishing, bow fishing, gigging, harpooning, um, the different types of rod and reel fishing, and you know it developed from a thing you did for sustenance and then probably once and then slowly became also like a very popular form of recreation i, mean, I would imagine that even back you know grog back ten thousand years ago was probably pretty stoked when he had a nice pike in his like rock trap you know i think i think it's human nature to be really excited about a big fish the recreation definitely came when one there was a little bit more security as like a species things weren't necessarily going to just pop out and kill us yeah it was like Almost immediately, too, it became a very almost sort of divided style um, in terms of recreational fishing, where there was where you have game fish and you have coarse fish. And um, it's sort of a European term originally that sort of spread. Um, and like your game fish in, say, like England would be like uh, trout and salmon, which are still like really put on a pedestal by a lot of a lot of anglers. And then your coarse fish would be like your carp, your gar, your suckers. Things that aren't really considered for their like their for their fighting quality so much, and maybe not as much for their table fare either. Not as much as much glory in fishing them, maybe. Exactly, exactly. And there's actually um, there's a book I really like that I'll recommend. I'm gonna probably plug several books on here. Um, so as a Florida, as a uh, Florida person, a Florida man, yeah, as as a Florida man, it's uh bass fishing or is near and dear to my heart. Largemouth bass is a uh, I think one of the best freshwater fish out there for sure. I feel it's a very, it's feel like it's a very like Americana sort of creature. It's like a fish version of a bald eagle. But um, Europeans were first coming to North America and they discovered largemouth bass. They um, weren't really sure about them. They actually there was some old like eighteen like early eighteen hundreds sort of time period stuff where they talked about how um, it was like better to catch a tiny trout in like a pristine stream than catch like a ten pound bass in a swamp. Because they thought it like wasn't pretty, and then there was a book written like on the year, but it's called the Complete Book of Black Bass, I believe, and it's basically this guy wrote a whole book about why largemouth bass are awesome and how he, he called them the, uh, I think it just black bass as a whole, so that's largemouth and smallmouth, and he called them the gamest fish that swims, and he was sort of the the great grandfather of like modern bass fishing being such a big sort of like fishing sport that it is today. So it's Book of the Black Bass. That sounds like a religious text. It basically is to me, um, by James Alexander Hinshaw. It looks like it was original. So I'm seeing 1881. That sounds right. Yeah. So a a long time ago, but not so long ago. When you fact, when you think of the earliest fishing hook that we have found, is from about 42,000 years ago. Yes. And was it? Uh. Well, I would imagine it was probably bone. It was a shell. Oh yeah, that makes sense too. Um, but they they have also found bone hooks. But yeah, it was uh, East Asia, East Timor, I believe, more specifically. 
but fishing is kind of ubiquitous. Like where there are people and where there was water, people were fishing. The first guy that went where the water was clear enough and saw some stuff in there, it was probably like, huh. I wonder if I can eat that. The uh, But as you talked about the, the shift to recreation, it kind of, it, it, it sort of seems to be happening. So early writings were around like the, I think it was the 1500s, 1600s. That's when we start to see some of the older writings about it less more of survival and more for recreation yeah you start like the old woodcuts of you know people with crazy sort of setups fishing for salmon or trout or sturgeon yeah well so one of the the earliest written records we have of fishing for recreation is called the the treatise of fishing with an angle yes i know that book i don't believe it offered new information but it was more of a consolidation of of information to kind of set norms like things for rods and baiting and lures that kind of thing correct yes and um the thing with fishing is like there's been a lot of developments over the years but some of the stuff in there is still honestly like very like usable for today Mm -hmm. well that that gets to my my next point which is the kirby bed about the hook yes the hook yes uh so that was in 1655 I mean, everyone can imagine the modern fish hook, and now which is typically what people call a J hook. Um, it's got a spot at the top to affix your line. It's got a sharp end on the other part, and then new, towards the sharp end, there's typically a, one barb. Certain special hooks have another barb farther up for holding bait on better. It was sort of one of those like once it was done, there kind of wasn't very many other reasons to do so. It kind of just worked. Yeah, and you see some older fish hook designs that have the barb on the outside of the of the bend. I would imagine it's like given the way a fish typically a lot of species of fish shake their heads, the barbing on the outside of the bend would probably allow it to work itself loose. And yeah, so that's sort of the mod. That's the classic hook. It really there's been you know some improvements. There's a, a more modern variety of hook called a circle hook, where it typically has a wider um, like bend in it, and the very tip of the hook faces instead of being the tip like the sharp tip instead of being parallel, it's to the shaft. It's perpendicular. And that's uh, a shape of hook designed to be harder for a fish to inadvertently swallow if you're not paying attention or something like that. And the, the extra bend in it when a fish grabs the bait and turns its head, it causes it to typically, ideally, lodge naturally in the corner of the fish's mouth, which prevents fish from swallowing the bait as easily and increases like the chance of a healthy release or just makes your job of unhooking it a lot easier, depending on what you're going to do with the fish. Yeah. Oh, before, um, before we leave hooks, I do want to talk about the gorge, which is like the the hook before there was a hook. So a gorge was basically a little pointy thing. It could be made of, like, just imagine a little little stick that's pointy on both ends. It could be made of wood or bone or stone. And be roughly the diameter of, like, the throat of the fish you were hoping to catch. The line was kind of tied off a little off-center to it. They'd put a bait or, cut, like, skewer down the middle. And then when the fish would swallow the gorge, the fishermen could pull on their rope, twine, line, whatever they're using, vine or something. And then it would cause the gorge from going from being like smoothly going to the fish's throat to spreading wide and catching in the fish's throat so they could use that to pull the fish in. And I tried to fish with the gorge once. Um, and it's really hard. It sounds not as precise as a hook. It's definitely not. And it's also not a, um, a style of fishing that would lend itself well. If you're going to release a fish, I would not recommend using a gorge. No, yeah. That, it does not sound like that would work out so good for the fish. It sounds like, it's like once they're got, like they're got. Anyway, yeah. So we talk about the different styles of fishing. There's... Lots of different kinds, but main ones being spearfishing, angling, trapping, trolling, and hand fishing. And I'm curious, how many of these have you done? All of them, I think, actually, now that I say it. I'll sort of touch on each one and maybe like share a little bit. Spearfishing, I feel like it's kind of 
there's three different things that people consider spear fishing. There's like, you know, a guy standing on a rock with a spear, throwing it at a fish or stabbing a fish. Yeah, very literal um, castaway sort of style. Then you have gigging, which is um, you're using what's, it's kind of like a trident, but with extra bits on it sometimes. So more like a pentatint or something like that. And that's, people do that for a lot of different animals. Typically it's done in really shallow water. Frog, like gigging frogs? Yeah, people gig frogs. Um, I've uh, gone get, uh, flounder where I live are a really popular target because you can go out at night with a light in very shallow water. And even just walk and get them because they'll come really, really shallow at night. Um, so that's like one other method. And then there's spear fishing with a spear gun or a Hawaiian sling done underwater, either scuba diving or free diving. Um, and that's something I, I really enjoy doing. I try to do that as much as I can here. And that's involves like sneaking up on the fish or trying to get the fish to come close to you and then shooting it with your um, gun. And kind of goes without saying that all of these forms of fishing are a uh, non-catch and release form of fishing so it's very important to know your regulations and to know your sizes because you can't release a fish that's too short so yeah, angling i feel like is just a massive if you're talking about just sort of rod and reel angling obviously people use bait every bait under the sun depending on the fish uh got all your lures i could talk about lures for three hours it's 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 honestly like just that alone could be an entire podcast. Well, and cause it, like fly fishing would fall under that, right? Yes, yes. Um, that's sort of the classic like angling, I guess. Um, you would say because like fly fishing kind of predates. I think of a way to describe this. Anyway, so like way back in the day, obviously there was bait fishing, and then people started using, realizing that they could just use things that looked like food to fish instead of having to try to catch or get food for the actual fish. And there's some really cool old sort of almost lures that weren't quite lures, but still lured um, that were used as uh, like basically effectively de- like underwater decoys that would lure in fish so that they could be speared through the ice or from boats. Um, there's some really cool like and now there's like really cool old now they're considered like art pieces, like several hundred year old carved fish. Um, they're really cool. Um, and then so and then you have your sort of more modern lure styles and then fly fishing was uh, normally used to mimic like little teeny stuff, like literally flies that were rising from the surface of the water um, because trout will sort of really key in on a single thing. And if you don't have your, your fly looking like that thing, they'll ignore it, even if it would be a more like calorically dense food source. They just want them flies. Right. It has to do with, I've, I've read before, it has to do with them because uh, they're in like always having to swim in a river. It has to do with them not wanting to risk feeding experimentally since they're always spending calories. I think fly fishing, when you hear angling these days, I feel, I mean, it really just could kind of mean anything. Um, but I think fly fishing is what the average person, when they imagine an angler, it's like the guy in a river with a vest on and his little hat. And his waders. Yeah, God gets your waders. What about trapping? So there's some really, really, really old style traps. I mean, so a lot of people have probably seen like a minnow trap. It's sort of like a... Imagine a cylinder with each end of it is punched inwards. So like two little cones, both facing into the cylinder. And you put your bait inside and the fish will swim into the trap. And then they're not the brightest, so they won't find the little hole to get back out. Some really, really old traps. You have things like um, basically the person would make like an arch sort of shape underwater, like right at the tide line um, out of rocks and debris. And that way when the tide comes in, it's over, and then as the tide goes down, some fish, just sort of luck of the draw, will stay in the receding water in your little arch shape of rocks. And then they're right there, and I guess you can 
hit them with a stick or net them or do whatever you want. And then there was all sorts of different variants of sort of that. People would make little fences out of sticks with a single hole in there and then have some sort of bait so the fish would come into the sticks. A lot of the earliest traps were basically just making it so that fish could then be easierly, like more easily stabbed or clubbed or netted. And, and so, so trapping is also, is that, would using nets fall into that? Yeah, I, I guess it kind of depends. I mean, there's, like when you have like sort of, I mean, depends on the style of net. I mean, if you're like, say, throwing a cast net, which is like a net you physically throw in like a big circle to catch bait, that would, I'd say that wouldn't really be trapping since it's a very active, but something like a, a gill net, which are outlawed in a lot of places um, because the fish, it works by entangling the fish's gill plates, which can promote a lot of like bycatch, like sea turtles stuff can get tangled up in there easily or just fish you don't want. But that's like a net you would set across an area. Like say you, um, there's like a little creek going into a bigger river. You would put your gill net across that creek and then go do something or wait around until a bunch of fish got tangled up and then you'd pull it out. So I guess that, that form of netting would be a lot more like trapping than something more active than like a, like a sane net or something. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I feel like hand fishing, like fishing with your hands doesn't really need that much explanation. But out of curiosity, you said you've done it. How hard is it? Um, It depends. So, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Um, I've gone noodling before, which is hand fishing, but it's, I feel like it's probably one of the easier modes from a purely uh, dexterity standpoint, maybe, because um, it's for catfish and you stick your hand in the hole. Um, it typically is done when catfish are um, like spawning, so they're pretty territorial. Wait, stick your hand in what hole? So catfish like a burrow or a hollow log or an undercut in the bank, and you locate them. Um, ideally, you poke a stick in there first, and you kind of try to determine if it's a catfish or a turtle mm-hmm. or a snake. Um, and then you stick your hand in, and then ideally the catfish will bite your hand, and you can pull them out. Does that hurt? Um, it depends on how big the catfish is. But they don't have, they have like a sandpaper sort of teeth, but some can bite pretty hard. It can definitely surprise you. And then um, there's another sort of fish, like specific hand fishing, called uh, trout tickling that I've heard of people doing. And it basically involves finding like an undercut. I've never tried this. We don't have trout in Florida. Um, but it's like find, you find an undercut on a stream, typically like a little very picturesque trout stream is how I was imagining it going down. And you sort of see the trout, because trout are normally facing, almost always when they're just ha- hanging out, facing up into the current. So you can put your hand in the water and move it very slowly up next to the trout. Um, and even if you brush it a little bit, they're used to bumping into each other sometimes. And then right when you get up far enough, you ideally like grab the trout around the base of its head because it gives you like a good grip and spot. And I've never tried that, but I've seen some videos of people doing it. Cool. And then the the last one that we had mentioned was trolling. And we're not talking we're not talking internet trolling, but internet tro- the term for internet trolling actually comes from this kind of trolling. Yeah, so trolling's um definitely an old style of fishing. I wouldn't be surprised if it predated actual reels almost. I, I'm actually it would definitely pre- predate predate reels because you could do it with a hand line. Yeah, trolling's basically you you would have a static amount of line out typically with your either bait or lure out, and then you would be using your vessel's movement to give action or just cover ground with that bait or lure. You're basically just like dra- dragging the, the lure and bait behind you on, on a line. Exactly. Yeah. And it's typically done a lot today. Um, a lot of, a lot of like the big pelagics, like your, like your marlin, um, your sailfish, stuff like that are often caught by trolling. And that's done with what people call a teaser, 
and it won't it's like a bunch of the lures on one big umbrella shaped thing that looks like an entire school of fish and you troll that behind the boat in an attempt to make the marlin whatever show itself so that you can then present the bait that you want to catch it on while it's all fired up trying to get what it thinks is a big school of fish which of these do you like doing the most Oh, so that's so tough. Um, you could only fish one way. I, this is so. I, I mean, I do by by far. I guess just like classic rod and reel fishing and spear fishing are what I do the most. Spear fishing's great in its own way because you can be very very selective. Like you're never gonna. There's no bycatch. You're never gonna not get the fish you want. I mean, assuming you can get close enough to it, and you're not gonna have to worry about any extra fish. Um, but you're kind of at the mercy of the weather a lot more than normal fishing. If you can't see underwater, you can't see fish. I'll say if I could only do one, I guess I would do rod and reel fishing because, like, some parts of the country you can't spearfish in. Yeah, you're going for the widest spread that you can. Yeah. And there's <laughs> subsets within that, so I can sort of do that to give it variety, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So moving into the games themselves, we have to start with like the earliest representation of fishing in the game, which is OG red and blue with those stupid little rods. Hey, those rods are treasures. The old, good, and super rod. I like how none of the names like go together. It's not like the old rod, the new rod, and the brand new rod or something like that. It's like... And it's not like the good rod and the better rod. You know, it's old, good, and super. Yeah. Well, and they also, like, they get, they're basically designed to catch certain things. So, like, the old rod, you could only catch things up to, like, level 5. So you could only catch magic harps with the old rod. Wasn't there one spot you could also catch, like, tentacle? Or was that in, like, fire red, leaf green? I'm not sure about that. I'm, I'm, pretty, sure I'm, gonna look this up. Catch, I'm pretty sure you could only catch magic harps with the old rod. And then the good rod obviously expanded that level cap on the rod, so you could catch, I think you could catch, like, polywags. I think polyrags, like, goldine, maybe, and maybe, like, uh, tentacool or something. Yeah, and then the super rod was, like, you know, max level. I think, I, I, I'm pretty sure I caught a dratini with a super rod. Yeah, you had dratini with super rod in, like, the safari zone. Yeah, yeah. But the, obviously on the little... Also, Gyarados, terrifying, uh, fishing that out. Um, but the in on the on the Game Boy games, they don't really have like there's no real design for them, so you have to find you know the screen representation later on in the games. Uh, and so I I actually like looking at the the trading card the the trading cards for images of the rods, and I love the picture of the old rod because it's literally just like a stick. With some string tied around it, and then a pokeball on the end. Yeah, it's like your classic, your classic cane pole, just sort of the most original. Like literally, when people say a fishing pole, like it's just a pole. I used to actually have a really old uh, bamboo fly rod that I got at a garage sale that was in pretty bad shape. I don't know where it's at. And how does that bend help with fishing? So. You're basically, when you fish bites, you're at the mercy of the strength of your line. In terms of if it was just from, like, say you had some line in your hand and a fish on the other end. And your line is, say, say your line is good for 10 pounds of fish. But, like, a fish that's under 10 pounds can make more force than 10 pounds. 
just by virtue of like swimming. So the rod, one, it rod it aids in casting and lets you reach out farther to put your bait somewhere better or cast your lure far. But also the flexibility of the rod lets you, one, like it gives you like that give in the, the shock. So when you say to move it to set the hook on the fish, you don't have to worry about like pulling the hook out of the fish's mouth as easily. And when the fish makes a sudden, you know, bid for freedom, the uh, flexibility of the rod sort of mitigates the force that that fish is putting on the actual line. So then if we move up to uh, the good rod, uh, there in all the, the pictures that I found, the good rod is almost always uh, shown with that bend that you're talking about. Yes. Uh, and that, that kind of comes with being able to catch bigger things, I guess, because the, the rod is just, it allows you to, I don't know if fight's the right word. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'd say I would say fight. Okay, but like you can like it, the line will stand up to sort of bigger, stronger things, right? Yes, and like looking at the picture, it appears to be either um like a nicer form of wood than the old rod. Like I was clearly in better repair, or maybe in some it looks almost like more. It's like a composite, which there's definitely like some people like having like a really fancy, basically version of a cane pole, um, but with some sort of modern like I've seen like carbon fiber or fiberglass or a blend something like that, that gives you a lot more strength in the rod, makes it lighter, makes it more flexible. Um, the only actually game that I'm seeing that has a a good rod with a reel on it is Pokemon Let's Go, which has, um, it looks like it has a, has a what's your, cla- your classic spinning reel. Yeah, I was, was, was going to say the, the super rod, at least in the cards, is the, first, is the only one that gets that treatment. Yes, but super rod has what we call a bait casting reel, and everyone... The spinning reel goes on the bottom of the rod. Don't it? It's it dangles for a reason. Don't have it on top of the rod. It drives me up the wall when I see it in like a car commercial. The guy's holding a spinning rod upside down. What? What's what? What's the? You said there's reason. What's the reason? So what? The rod is designed to bend a certain in a certain direction better than in the other direction. Um. Also, like, it, it feels awkward. Like, a spinning reel typically isn't always small. Like, especially the ones, you know, it could be a pound or two. And if you, like, look at a picture of one on a rod, it's clearly designed to dangle. Like, it just feels awkward with it on top. So you are so you are very much against the super rod then? Cause that's, no, because that was... the super rod is not a spinning reel. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so the super rod has what most people would call a bait caster, which is... um. I believe an older style of reel. And there's like new modern bait casters for bass fishing. They get very expensive very quickly and are normally shiny and have a whole bunch of like bearing revolutions. So you like, you turn the reel once and the spool turns like nine times. Um, and the super, obviously the bait caster lets you hold more line on the reels so that you can actually cast your bait out. And the super rods indicative of that lets you reel the fish in. Um, and it works by the older ones work by you use your thumb to apply pressure to slow your line down so the spool doesn't wrap itself and tangle. But it's definitely a like a big jump from like the the good rod to the super rod. And it also has um, the 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 guides. Yes, yes. So it has the guides which keep your line on top of the rod up until the very tip, which helps distribute the force of the fish across your whole rod. And typically. Um, bait casting rods like that have what we call a drag where you can set a certain amount of resistance or use your thumb to do it. So say your line is rated for a 20 pound fish um, and you hook a big fish that weighs even more than 20 pounds. You can have your reel set up to be letting out 
line would say a fish pulls with 15 pounds of force, the real line can physically peel off the reel as the fish fights you, thus like tiring the fish out. So having like this on the super rod would be how your fisherman's able to, you know, get a Gyarados into the boat. Yeah. I don't, yeah, that sounds terrible because the Gyarados would then just be flopping on the deck. <laughs> yeah, but maybe be really tired. Oh, also, fun fact I just learned. Um, do you know which game only has the Super Rod in it? Uh, apparently in Gen 5, I didn't even remember this, there is no Old Rod. Or Good Rod. Just the Super? Yeah. Well, because in, in, well, in, in Sword and Shield, you just kind of got a Rod, right? I think so. Is it just a Rod? I'm pretty sure it's just a Rod. I think you're right. I'm pretty sure you just get yeah. I'm pretty sure they just call it a fishing rod. <laughs> you don't need all you don't need all these varying levels. It was also just the fishing rod in Sun and Moon. Oh, so I guess they they might just be done with the levels. Yeah, I do remember like first getting the super rod as a kid that loved fishing was so cool. To me, I fished I fished for so much in game in the first game. <laughs> and then you, uh, I'm just laughing at like kid don who got the old rod and was like yeah i'm gonna catch so much stuff and you just kept caught magic carp after magic carp after magic yeah. carp. well isn't there the guy that like judges your magic carp or was that in gold and silver i don't remember what game that was i remember trying really hard to get the biggest magic carp and none of my friends at school cared at all you wanted to impress the npc <laughs> yeah uh well moving down the the line uh, down the fishing line, we have our baits and our lures. That was good. <laughs> and it was a good uh, in the uh, this is this again not so much really in the games. You're not baiting the lines uh, or or even using lures in the games. You're just kind of casting out. Uh, but there's this weird dynamic in the anime. But the lures that they're using don't seem effective to me. They're they're shaped like pokemon they're uh and then in like weird situations they're actually shaped like people like there's one episode where misty says her best lure is a lure that is just like a little figure of herself i don't see how that's effective i don't see how that's practical i don't see why that's a good idea all right so i'll sort of take a crack at also so um the lures that look like pokemon i haven't seen them are they like of like fish sort of pokemon uh i think i I think there's like one that's like a magic card. Well, I mean, I mean, a lot of fish are cannibalistic or just fish eat other fish. So I feel like, assuming they looked like maybe like a bug type that wasn't like one of the big ones or another fish, I feel like that's not too much of a reach. Like, there's a lot of lures that have like colorings on them. Like, one of my favorite lures is like patterned like a shad, and bass really like to eat shad. So that kind of works. Well, so um, I, like, I, yes, I can see like having a ninkata shaped lure actually have some cicada flies jesse and james or team rocket went fishing uh and jesse used an ekans lure which you know maybe it could be a worm like a worm like looking thing um but james had a coughing lure and meowth had a lure based on himself all right well i can so the the snake lure is actually pretty realistic um there are actually i have seen like specifically I mean, they're still kind of worm styles, but typically they have an air pocket, so they float. Um, lures that are meant to mimic, like a small water snake. Um, largemouth bass really like things that are on the surface. So um, I've definitely, like myself even, I don't have a snake lure, but I've used like a large sort of floating, like 12-inch worm sort of lure 
and you drag it along like floating pieces of grass. And um, I'm sure like it, it definitely looks like a snake from below. I would imagine that's what the bass thinks he's eating. The coughing and the meowth. I feel like I mean, meowth. It's I'm assuming it was like a teeny lure though, right? It's not. It's not a life size meowth. Okay. Well, I mean, a teeny tiny cat is kind of like a little rodent or something, and it's not um, unheard of for fish to eat like stuff like mice crossing water. So that could I know like a really a, a fly some people use for like big brown trout, or um, there's also bass lures that look like little floating mice as well. Um, and the coughing thing, I feel like that's kind of like how the main characters' little figures of themselves were. Where I mean, fish aren't. I mean, some fish are smarter than you think, but a lot of them aren't that smart. Um, and if it's either shiny or just interesting, sort of shaped, and it's moving through the water in a motion that might make it seem alive, they might take a crack at it. So you're saying that I'm giving fish too much credit? Is what you're saying? It depends. So there's a big difference between fish that haven't been fished a lot and fish that have been fished. I said fish a lot in that sentence. I'm going to say fish a lot in this episode. But um, you'll see fish in like a really pressured lake. Um, you'll see them sort of come up on the lure and sort of slow down, sort of inspect it, see if they like what they see. Like they can definitely get educated. Like your base fish typically, I would say, is not too well versed in deception. But as they go on, they can definitely um, really sort of get good at scrutinizing. Especially some, there's like almost some fish that have almost become famous that have been caught a bunch of times, like caught and released of species where they're more pursued for sport. To the point where they're just almost like uncatchable now. Like people are like, oh, I saw old Willie again today. Threw 37 different baits at him. He never touched them. Like they can definitely get crafty. They're learning. Yeah. But assuming that the bodies of water that they were fishing in were not too heavily fished. Um, if it's if it'll fit in their mouth and it moves like it might be alive, they'll take a crack at it. All right. I guess they get me. I mean, the little misty shaped lure is working for misty apparently. I mean, I I, I wouldn't recommend that people just start throwing like a Barbie doll with a hook zip tied to it. Don't don't do that. Uh, we'll start the wrap up. So the last question that I'll have done is if you were going to make fishing in the games more realistic, what would you like to see? All right. So I would like if there was sort of a, um, I wouldn't mind if there was like, I mean, obviously can't go full in depth and make a whole fishing mini game. I mean, in my world, it would be great, but maybe if they had some sort of, uh, like have like a little tackle box, like maybe just have like five different lures to catch different um different aquatic critters like say you had a um trying to think of a good species so basculin kind of have a bat have has a bass vibe so maybe you have a like a floating lure and you put your floating lure on while you're in fresh water and you make some casts and that's like if you're trying to catch like that maybe you have a uh what's called like a jig which would be like a it's like a lead head with like a little curly tail body or a buck or um some feather something on there and that fish is really deep so maybe you use a jig to catch like a relicanth or a lantern so maybe add like a little little tackle box to the game would be kind of fun without making it over complicated and maybe people sort of get a general idea of what fishing lures work for the thing that i would do doesn't really it's not really adding anything to the game it's just kind of adapting something that's in it which is a representation of trolling because we we have the act of us like essentially boating through the water on Lapras or whatever, or like our bike. 
you know, we have that act of like being on the water and moving. I've always wanted this too, actually, now that you say it. <laughs> and we are encountering the fish as we like, you know, touch them as we go past them. So I think it would be a nice little, you know, addition if instead of that mechanic, they just like you tacked on rather than like, you know, stopping and going fishing, you they just like tack the rod onto the back of the bike or like on the back of the Labras and you just drag the line behind you and you still encounter things the same way. It's the same mechanic. It's just a different visual to represent something different, you know? That would be really cool in um games that have like the diving mechanic where there's like the underground, you know, can underwater canyons and whatnot. Because in real life, um, if you're trolling like out in the ocean for like, you know, your mahi, your tuna, your wahoo, your marlin and all that, a lot of the times you're looking for seabed topography changes that cause like current upwellings and stuff like that. So it'd be sort of a cool little nod if maybe trolling along the, the deep water edge, you know, increased your chance at like some of the rarer fish Pokemon. Yeah, see, there you go. There you go. That's something that they could add to like make it have a little more impact. Yeah, I'm trying to refrain from being like, I want, you know, a six hour long mini game. <laughs> if there were different types of fishing, whether it was trapping or spirit or like whatever, and you caught different fish that way, you know? Yeah, especially we could do like a, um, I'll branch out a little bit from fish. If we had like a, uh, like a lobster pot sort of deal yeah. to catch your, like your kinglers, your crawdons and whatnot. Occasionally you get a chance to get an octillery in there because in real life, octillery will, or octopus will go into crab traps to raid the tasty, tasty crabs within. A friend of mine um, lived in the Keys for a while, and he fished for stone crab commercially. And he would talk about how sometimes you'd pull up the trap, and there'd be, like, a bunch of, like, empty crab shells, and then, like, an octopus would drop out of the bottom of the trap right when it got to the surface. That's that's when the game gets dark, when you pull up the trap, and there's just an octillery in there, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. What happened to that crawdon? All right, well, I think we should start wrapping this one up, Don, so let's head on over to the closing. Thank you all for joining us in Don's shining moment. Yeah, I know it was sort of an unconventional episode. Um, we touched on some history and some sort of more, I guess, mechanics of fishing. Yeah, it was. this was more about a an act than any specific animal, but I think it was, it's, definitely an, an, uh, an activity that kind of spans the world. You know, it, it's a very human experience, one that I have admitted I have not taken part in, but it's a very human experience to go fishing. Yeah, um, I would def definitely, really, this time of year, and right now in a lot of places, it's not the best weather for it. It's a really, I know we've actually seen a great spike in fishing, which it's funny because like, I want a lot of people to enjoy fishing, but also while I'm out there fishing, I don't want anyone else to be enjoying fishing near me. Enjoy it somewhere else. Um, I hope I hope a lot of people that started fishing now really enjoy it, and I hope they keep going once everything goes back a little more to normal. And if you haven't tried it, do a little bit of research and like get out there. It's it's a great thing to do. You're outside. Um, you hang out with some friends or family. Maybe catch a tasty treat or two. Enjoy nature. And wear sunscreen. Yes. <laughs> wear that sunscreen. Well, on that, uh, I will say. Uh, thanks again for, for listening, for giving us your time. I uh, hope you had some fun. Hope you learned something. If you could, uh, on whatever podcasting app you use, if you want to drop us a review, let us know how we're doing. It also helps other people find the show so we can keep growing this wonderful community that the team has built over, I guess, close to four years now. Yeah, it's been a minute, like looking at it now. We've picked a couple episodes based off of some 
uh, things that people have left in the reviews. And I think we're planning for a few more uh, in the future. So connect with us on social media and we'd love to hear from you all. Absolutely. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. So on that, uh, have a wonderful day or night where, whenever you're listening and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.